So, do we have feedback on today's talk or no? We get to keep them? Yeah. Always. Yeah. Great, buddy. What? What? We'll have children in the background. Welcome to the new reality revolution. Caleb is going to become our children's <laughs> Poor guy. I was just thinking, maybe we just need a little setup kind of on stage. Yeah. With, like a little playpen or something. With markers and stuff. Maybe we should just put a little slide and some markers and, you know. Then we can all keep an eye on them. And then at the same time, we can kind of avert our gaze to you. We have to realize we're just becoming a church. What's happening when children start showing up? You know, when they have the drums, they put those glass partitions. Yeah, oh yeah, they put a glass partition around the kids. One of the reasons that I keep coming back is I was taught long ago that worry about the past just brings up shame. Worry about the future brings up anxiety. And the only way to really live is to be present. Last night I was at a meeting and a young man who I've not seen in a long time walked into the meeting, and I felt this wave of joy at seeing him there. And it's that wave of joy being present, uh, which is what the church is to me. Yeah. Um, like you said, this gives you support, you know, and it's, this is a now thing. We are here, we are alive. Yesterday I was in the hospital. And I was a little scary, but I'm here and I'm alive. You okay, One of yeah, I'm okay. They they think I just didn't drink enough water. Um, but to be truly present with each other is to me what the church is. To not you know, and that means that I have to be present with the Trump supporter. That means I don't have to be, but I can't. There is a way for me to be present with a Trump supporter. There is a way for me to be present with anyone. Um, and any time I'm not present with somebody because of choices, of fears, or whatever, I'm, I'm less than I really am. You know, so I think the church calls me to be who I really am, and that's a lover of all people. I have one of the Revolution t-shirts that says, Wage peace with all mankind, I think, or something like that. Purveyor of peace. Purveyor of peace. Yeah, and that's that's what I am. And I have a little lady here right next to me. Oh, it squirted out some stuff. Oh, just, yeah, you can wipe it on my pants. (laughs) Oh, what does she got? Lotion. Lotion. Yeah, it'll make my pants softer. What, What do we do with the stuff that's on the floor, though? Oh. And then there's down here. We step on it. <laughs> what? We step on it. No, we don't. Don't step on it. Any other uh, feedback? I remember like a year and a half ago, Jay, I told you uh, that I was, I felt jealous of my atheist friends. I was like, I, I kind of wish I could just let go of, of some of these uh, ideas that, that were kind of, that I inherited or whatever I, yeah. I use that terminology all the time but like you know I wish I could I'm kind of jealous of them and you're like man if you're if you're an atheist then that's fine and I was like I can't do that but I but I feel like now where I'm at is like if if an expression uh, adjacent to what we're doing right now has to be humanist has to be atheist has to be whatever like I'm not concerned with the um, the veracity 
uh, or the histor- the historical veracity of the, of this book that we talk about. Yeah. You know, it, it's a common point. It kind of unites us. It's a it's a reference point that we all have. Um, and and the idea of Christ as you know a, a prophet of love or of grace or a teacher of those things. I mean, we could we could come here and talk about you know about Gandhi every week, and I I, I think I would still get fulfilled and, and be around these people that I love and. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not too worried about about all the uh, all, all the to me the the less important details of the the medium that we're expressing this through. But we're a community and we love each other and this is a cool thing to come and talk about because like I think all of us pretty much have a, a, a deep history with these stories and with these metaphors and these parables and things like that. And if we have to be we can be Christian humanist, Christian atheist, you know, where we can be, we can just drop the Christian altogether, and I'm still going to come here, yeah. and I'm not going to worry about the eternal fate of my soul. That's something I'm well over. A year and a half ago when we talked, I wasn't. I still believed in hell back then, you know, and yeah. and, and uh, I was told I couldn't be a Christian humanist by Yeah, I remember. I heard that interview. <laughs> Is there not a spot for me at the table? And she was like, No, there's, I guess there's a spot for you. And, and you were like, Well, you're saying there's not. <laughs> you were being a little kind of cheeky about it. Yeah. Kurt, I'm curious uh, as to why you keep coming back. Because I feel like we're in similar places, but different expressions of it. Uh, well, I think it comes down to the idea that I've engaged with this book and these stories a lot with people that I I didn't feel like they were being authentic human beings. Uh, and And here, I feel like there is an engagement with people that are trying to be authentic human beings, and that draws me here. And uh, I learned a new term uh, looking into this death of God theory recently uh, called kenosis, which is the idea of self-emptying, this idea that um, God emptied himself and his divinity into a human being, and that human, like all other humans, died. And I, I get the sense of this kenosis uh, through this group. I think there is a self-emptying that happens. Uh, and yes, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to... Uh, and I guess I, I admire what you're doing, Jay, because it's difficult to be a public figure and empty oneself in front of you know everyone else. But uh, through that self-emptying, getting like becoming nothing, becoming empty, there's some sort of redemption that comes from that, I think. And and in some ways, it's it's absurdity. That it doesn't make actual rational sense. Yeah. But it's like uh, entertaining <laughs> and funny. It's like a it's a weird property of the universe, perhaps, that by emptying oneself, you can then experience some sort of resurrection or some sort of fullness through the emptying. And it, I guess. I'm curious to learn more about this death of God stuff because it, it talks about how God himself maybe emptied himself and then was resurrected into the body of Christ. So 
so maybe the the story doesn't end with the the, the books that we have in the Bible. Maybe it's still maybe God's still dying, maybe he's still being resurrected. Uh, like Bob said, right here, right now, in the present mm-hmm. moment, and uh, I guess the the concept of apocalypse is like there's imminence that things are happening here and now, and mm. uh, I don't know. It seems like a radical concepts that could shift the way that I see the world, shift how other people see the world, and. I'd like to keep engaging with that sort of authentic, authenticity, self-emptying, and uh, potentiality for revolutionary things to happen. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great to hear. That's really well put. You're like, now now is heaven, now is hell, now God's dead, now God's alive, You know, now is resurrection, now is death. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt keeps telling me we're in heaven and hell at the same time, so. <laughs> Somewhere between heaven and hell is one of my favorite albums. So that's See you guys. See you guys. Any burning desires? I picked that chair up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Could we get the plastic? No, not at all. Next week will be crazy kid freak. Oh no, it's great. Did you have something? Do you think that part of the reason that you still have hope and stuff, like you were asking, like, I don't know why, I kind of figured out, it's because when you were growing up, there was a strong foundation of that build that now, even through all these trials you've been going through, since it's so much there that that's why it still keeps coming up? Yeah, um... Are you asking if I'm brainwashed or <laughs> no? No, I mean just you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Or just it just was just a strong foundation, literally just built. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this funny thing is, I that quote I read earlier from John Caputo about the church is in more harm than good. Um, I put that on my Facebook, and someone wrote, "Yeah, your dad is one of those people, uh, and you know who's made the church worse and the blah 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 and wrote this long thing." And I wrote, "Well, actually." If it wasn't for my dad and my mom, you know, I wouldn't have this foundation of love and grace. And that was something that they built in me before I knew what any of that stuff really was. But love was my mom's big thing. And my dad ended every show with God loves you, he really does. That's where their main focus. Like they would talk about a lot of stuff, but it always boiled back down to love. And so that's what got me. So yeah, I think it's the foundation that actually got built into me from my parents. Now I have a lot of resentments towards my parents for certain things, <laughs> but that foundation of love is what changed me and, and, and allowed me to probably is, is probably allowed me to stay. Now, one of the most painful things I've ever seen on TV was your mom's last interview, where she was a day and a half. From dying. And she's obviously just completely wasted away. And yet she's positive and she's she's loving even in that moment. And that's what I'm saying. I think it's a now thing. Yeah. Um and very just impressed the heck out of I I for years I thought that both of them were just 
evil, rotten people. Yeah. But the specials um, on Tammy Faye, I was completely wrong. You know, she was quite a quite a woman, and that's not to say your dad's not quite a man. And I believe he believes what he's what he's saying. Yeah. It's just way far beyond any ability for me to believe what he's saying. Yeah. I can't believe it either. So. Yeah. I had uh, posted a scripture on Instagram, and it was about um, Jesus talking about how the most important thing is to love everyone, and that's what he's all about. And one of my atheist friends decided to post three scriptures commenting on it yeah. about all these terrible things that God said to do, and um, not, uh, sorry, the original text. Yeah, and uh, and naturally, my first inclination was to delete all of his posts and block him and have him stop following me. Because I was like, "You're an idiot." Yeah, uh, but then I thought about it, and the, the scripture I actually posted, and I was like, "Well, am I really following that? If that's like, if I let my emotions control me to a point where the first thing I thought was, I never want to talk to you again. I don't want you looking at my Instagram. Like, just go away." Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because I was like, like you have enough time to dissect these, to find these terrible things that are said in the Bible, up to comment on the one good thing that I said. Yeah. You know, but I thought about it and I was like, well, am I really being any better by deleting them and mm. blocking them from me? And I don't know, it just kind of uh, contradicted in my mind that I was like, if you're going to let your emotions control you that much that you can't love him even though that's what he's decided to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then who am I? Yeah. I've always said that there's two types of people that take the Bible literally and that's fundamentalists and atheists. And that's definitely an atheist. Yeah. I love pointing out the contradiction in the Bible. I get a kick out of it to be honest with you just to be like there are contradictions here. Yeah. Welcome to the club. It's okay. Oh, how could you say that? <laughs> and I looked at like, because he posted the actual scripture he was getting it from. Yeah. So I went and I read before and after, and I yeah. was like, oh, well, that makes sense. This was a terrible person that they were saying. Yeah, right. You know, like, but he's not posting any of that part. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird. Me and my dad used to play this game at this one church that we went to, and they'd have guest speakers, and it would see how quickly we could realized they were using the verse out of context by the oh, yeah. finding the closest verse. And so we would literally sit there and we would point out, I can't believe we did this. <laughs> we would point out the verse, but completely like, like they were using that would be like, oh, if they went two verses down, what he's saying is not true. Um, that was kind of a sadistic thing to do, but we did it and it was fine. Yeah. That's, like the, that's like the negative type of cherry picking. You know, in, instead yeah. of cherry picking out the good stuff, yeah, like picking picking out the the stuff that just supports what you, whatever your agenda is, I guess. Yeah, I guess it was kind of a cool bonding time for me and my dad. That was when we were in LA. So that thing about like trying to cut people out, or, or you know, like you getting mad. Uh, I don't remember exactly how you worded it, but the idea of of being spiteful against someone who's being spiteful towards you. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, we know the, the the golden rule is is an obvious thing to go to, but it's almost like. Don't hurt others as you don't want them to hurt you. Almost, almost the the inverse of like doing to others. You know what I mean? Because it's right. like it's 
I go to that, and especially like these past couple weeks, I go to that so often. Just like if someone hurts me, I'm like, I could, I could show them how they hurt me by hurting them in the same way. Yeah. You know, and, and it's ugly, but it's 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 a knee jerk that I have. You know, it's hard to. It is hard to get away. It's from hard to get that. away from that. And that's the thing I thought is I shouldn't have blocked him. I should have said, I still love you, even though you feel this way. I accept uh-huh. that that's your view, and right. I hope when I come back out to Portland, I see you. Yeah. You know, yes. it wasn't the way that I was thinking when I lived in Portland. I wouldn't have ever come here. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I think one of the reasons I keep coming back here is because I know that you don't need anything from me here. Yeah. And I like that. Like, I've been yeah. to other churches where, like, well, we need people here. We need people to offering, and we need all these things. And even, like, one church... I was doing the announcements, and that was one of the things, the announcements at the end, is I was supposed to say, all right, now everyone, let's do our offerings and stuff, and I just felt like we needed something from them so bad, like we're trying to fill a church up, and yeah. all these things, and I was just like, that made me feel icky, yeah, yeah. that I was the one up there saying it, and I get why people need donations and offerings yeah. and nonprofits, I get it. But it didn't feel right. Yeah, it's tough. That's a really... I struggle with it a lot. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Got anything? That was awesome. Thank you for a wonderful afterglow, everybody. Please say hello to each other before you leave. A post-Christian production.